You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice. I'm Jacoby here with my good friend and co-host, Jerry. In every episode, we're bringing you honest conversations about what really matters and how to create success without sacrificing the things you love the most. And on this week's episode, we just had the opportunity to listen to one of the folks that we talk about so much on this show, and that's Tony Robbins. So we recently had a conference with our company EXP and they brought in the great Tony Robbins. It was his first live event since COVID has happened. And so he brought, he brought it for us at this event and it was Jerry's first time to see Tony Robbins. And it was actually my third time to see Tony Robbins live and in person. So we're going to talk about that, some of the takeaways and what we are going to be doing uh, moving forward in the future based off of what Tony has imparted to us. He definitely unloaded. It was uh, what, five hours of pure content. That's for sure. He uh, hit it kind of just right out of the gate. I wanted to say the one thing about Tony that was interesting to me is he talks about how he's not a motivator. Like that's, you know, he, I, you know, I'm not a motivational speaker and he is right because when he's delivering, you know, his, when he's delivering his message, he's actually giving you work to do. He's not just trying to like pump you up. He's like, well, no, you have to go do the work. And uh, he had us do a little work there while we were there, but you can tell the way he's set up is to do his larger events uh, where he's going to make you do a lot of the work there. Um, and I like that because a lot of times you go to these events and, you know, you're, you're sitting and listening to speakers and they say, Hey, when you go home, you know, you need to do this, this, and this. And a lot of times when you go home, this, this, and this doesn't get addressed, but he's having to do some work right there. That was the main thing. The first time I ever saw him speak is uh, because when you see him on his ads and stuff, you, you totally think it's motivation, right? And you also mm -hmm. think because of what other speakers do, you think that it's motivation. And that's one reason why I like him so much and why I like the events so much is that I feel like he gives me tools that I can actually use in my life. So you're right. He does it at the event. And then the way he he's just so in tune that he keeps you or at least I am always thinking about things after I've left the event and the things that I can actually do. So he gives you actionable items and tools that you can use in your life like every day, you know, and it's not it's not motivation. So when somebody the number one phrase I get after I tell people I saw Tony Robbins, they're like, oh, are you pumped up? Are you motivated now? And I'm like, well, yeah, I am. But it's not like it's not really pumped up. It's mm -hmm. it's like I'm I'm activated and ready to start doing something. And so in that sense, the answer is yes. But it's not a motivation that's going to fizzle out. It's more of a strategy, I guess you could say as well. Yeah. The other thing just on the surface was how crazy it was. So our event was. I think we were between five and 6,000 people there. And the, the way people showed up early to get in line 
to be able to get in the room. And then when we were standing at the doors, waiting for them to open the doors, it was like, uh, it, I mean, the only, literally the only thing I can compare it to is some like of the old shows, concerts I used to, you know, that I've been at, you know, like where everything is, you're just all crammed right up against the door and the security is like telling people to, you know, move back and you get like, everybody's just kind of on edge and people were getting irritable with each, each other a little bit, but everybody was all really amped up to see Tony. And that was, uh, man, this guy is just like one dude up there, but he's delivering it like a rock and roll band. Yeah, that was, that was super crazy. It was like, yeah, we were all getting ready. So they put you in like these stalls. They're almost like stalls. There's like three different categories of seats. So you've got like the uh, platinum group, the gold group, the silver group. And then I think you also have like a general admission group. And so everybody has their own little section. And so they're like, okay, we're going to get ready to, we're going to get ready to get ready, basically, is what yeah. we did. So they like <laughs> held everybody back. And they're like, all right, go ahead, go to your, you know, in front of the doors. And then uh, everybody wants to make sure they get a good seat. That's uh, that was probably the one thing that I got from that. And so everybody they're the security there, they're like trying to hold everybody back. Like, Hey, everybody's going to get a good seat. Cause we were in the platinum group up, up in the very front. They're like, you're in this group. Like no seat is a bad seat in this group, but I guarantee you, nobody was listening to that. And yeah. So nobody they, was listening. Then they I, opened the doors. Yeah. Go ahead. I thought it was funny. Cause we sat up front in the platinum and so we were like, I don't know what, eight, nine, 10 rows back. And uh, we grabbed a couple seats right on the aisle. But so everybody was all excited to jump in and get in the platinum seats. And Tony literally spent the first hour behind us. He, uh, his whole first hour, I mean, literally was behind us. Yeah. He's like walking around the whole time. It was uh, super good, which is really, I mean, that's why he does that, right? He's trying to get an experience for everybody, but uh Whenever we pushed in, yeah, that was like the funniest part for sure for me is like we were all pushing in and then, uh, <laughs> you know, the story, the story you had uh, with, you know, one, one individual or one, one lady that, that was trying to make sure everyone was uh, acting right is, uh, is really good. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're, we're coming in the door and they let like the first wave of people, probably about 40 people through the door. And as we're coming up to the door, this lady, the security lady, like steps in front and she's like, listen to you people. This, we are not going to act like this. You are going to walk. If I don't see you walking, I'm shutting this thing down. Like she like totally like lost it. Like people are just looking at her to like, okay, right lady. You know, like, so it was pretty funny though. She got all fired up. Yeah. They were, yeah. So that was, yeah, that was absolutely crazy. The one thing I will say that I, that, that really got me thinking about that whole situation was, um, is just how people get whenever they uh, have something that they want or that they need. Right. And so we're a pretty civilized group, you know, as a group of realtors that paid for this, uh, prayed for this program, paid for this conference. And uh, I would say, you know, a really civilized group of people and yet things still could have gotten out of hand there. And so it really got me to thinking is like, when things start to go bad and let's say it was an actual necessity, like people revert back to their, you know, they revert back to their uh, caveman ways. Yeah, their animal instincts. Their Their animal instincts, right? So, you know, I could imagine if it was a different group of people or if you were fighting for food or for survival, like things can get out of hand uh, really quickly. And so that was was one thing that kind of went through my head 
which kind of transitions to like whenever Tony first started talking, you know, he, he really talked about fear, right? And he talked yeah. about uh, fear and how to deal with fear and a lot of the things that are going on right now. And he explains some of the ways that it's actually the human psychology, how we make decisions when we're in a state of fear versus uh, being in a different state. And so, you know, I don't know if you, you had a couple of things you, you had from that when he was talking about fear in the beginning. Yeah, it, you know, it really showed you that you have to take some personal responsibility for what you're putting in and that the uh, like our news outlets are, you know, they're not pitching news. They're not out just reporting news like they're they're literally using the same marketing, same hooks, headlines, same strategy that marketers use to sell products and, you know, like advertise for movies. Here's a perfect example. They're using the same marketers that market for movies as they are for news. And and so they come up with these hooks and clickbait and it has nothing to do with the news. It has to do with what listeners, followers and clicks can I get? And the news is pretty relevant. And so right now we're in a state where media and uh, you see it all on television, they are selling fear. Um, And so he really talked about that and that, you know, that kind of hit home because I'm actually reading, uh, I was reading the book by Brendan Kane, how to get a million followers. And it is exactly the, the strategies that TV's using is exactly the strategies that he uses to, to gain followers in social media. Yeah. And so he said the most important thing you can do right now, especially in the uh, climate that we're in is to take control of your mind. And so what you're putting in your mind and how you're processing all that is of the utmost important because you can't trust anyone else anymore to take care of you. And so if you've been on this planet for a while, just like you said, the, media and news has totally changed. They're not giving us news anymore. And you know, what he said is if it bleeds, it leads. And so you don't hear good stuff. You don't hear a lot of good stuff on the news anymore. You're hearing about how the world's going to end, who's going to die and that sort of thing, which makes you, you know, want to tune in. And so taking care of your mind is the most important thing. And one of the examples he gave is he said, you know, it used to be, you'd walk by a, uh, newspaper stand, you know, he said, you know, you used to put a quarter, I think a quarter into the the newspaper dispenser or whatever, but they always have in the front of that dispenser, they have the front page, right? And on the front page, he was like, you know, if there's good news on there, if it says, you know, hey, it's going to be sunny for the next, you know, three days and there's going to be good weather, you're you're definitely not going to buy that newspaper, right? But if the front page says, you know, hurricane to hit Texas in the next three days, this is the biggest hurricane in the history of man, you're more likely to spend that, you know, to spend that money in order to see what's going to happen. And so when he explained that, you know, that kind of hit home is that we don't do it physically anymore. We do it digitally. And so everybody's looking for clicks and, you know, used to have one newspaper a day. Now there's tons and tons and tons of articles that are out there. And so in order for them to do that, you know, they've got to get all that out there to get your attention. And so that was uh, one good example he gave. Yeah. Along the same lines of you have to take control of your mind and the way he talked about the fear and the way to kind of, when we're talking about COVID, it was this personal responsibility of what you're putting in your mind and really 
re, you know, really looking into what's being said, just don't trust it because they said it, you know, you know, research it, but it also take personal responsibility for your health. You know, you shared some statistics and I'm, I'm not sure if these are hundred percent accurate, but I know they're in the ballpark that like 80% of, you know, the people who passed away or got really sick from COVID, it had more to do with age. And then on top of that, so there's the two main factors in, in COVID illness was your health and specifically weight. He talked about um, majority of being obese and your, and your age. And so those two factors and that goes, you know, that goes right in line. Uh, we've talked about this before where I was sick with COVID and I didn't have any breathing issues, luckily, but man, it, it wiped me out. It basically cost me the whole first quarter. I mean, I was you know, basically not right for about four months. And so I took this, it's this idea and of taking personal responsibility for your health. And so I'm going to use this right now as a little bit of uh, update on my 75 hard challenge that we've been talking about. So doing 75 hard and 36 days in, uh, and kind of the neat thing, one of the things you have to do is you have to read 10 pages a day. And so I've actually, it's, I've read the book living forward and I've read, and I finished expert secrets. So now I've finished two books at just, you know, 10 pages a day. Uh, you end up reading probably a little more than 10 pages a day, you know, once you get into it. And, but it yeah, also you actually, has, you me, actually read them, right? I read them. I read them <laughs> highlighter, pen, everything. Uh, but on top of that, because I'm walking so much, uh, I've listened to three books. I've listened to Turning Pro. I've listened to uh, How to Get it, How to Gain a Million Followers, and I am almost done with Hook Point. Both of those by Brendan Kane. And just as a side note on the Turning Pro, you remember the book Turning Pro? Kevin Ward used to talk about it. Oh yeah, yeah. So I remember like four years ago, maybe it's even five years ago, reading that book, and like it whatever it was at that time, like, yeah, I was, it spoke to me and it really, like, I really took it in. Well, I just recently listened to it and I would say like, I got zero out of it. Now, you know, you, I mean, obviously there were some things I could have got out, but it was crazy. Like, wait, I mean, I've grown that much over the last five years that that book just really hit home. And now it was like, I couldn't even figure out why I liked the book then. And it was pretty interesting. I actually had just recommended the book to a friend before I listened to it. That's what made me listen to it. And I actually had to call him up and say, hey, I remember telling you I was pretty fired up about that book, but kind of going to change my story a little bit. He goes, man, I started that book and could not figure out why you recommended it to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm glad I called him. But anyways, so just as you grow, different things are going to be, you know, that's a whole different topic on itself. But then kind of as another update, so at 36 days, I've taken, uh, uh, I'm just over a half a million steps uh, in walking um, in the last 36 days. Uh, here, you're going to like this stuff and you might even, because some of it, I don't even understand like why it's important. I just know what's good. You probably understand more about it. My resting heart rate when I had COVID was in the 90s and even the low 100s. Um, and then out of COVID, it was in the 80s, like mid you know, mid to high eighties, uh, right now, over the last two weeks, my resting heart rate's been at 70. Uh, so I'm down, you know, almost 20 beats per minute on that. My HRV. So my, um, well, I just drew a blank. What's the HRV, the, uh, heart rate variability. Yeah, heart rate variability, which 
I have no concept of what that means. I just know that it's a, you get a good concept of where you're tracking and you can kind of jump in. But my, my HRV was in the like high teens, to low twenties. And now I'm in the mid to high thirties consistently over the last few weeks. Originally was at during COVID, I was at 313 pounds. When I started 75 hard, it was at 301. And this morning I weighed in at 287 and I've drank almost 50 gallons of water in the last 36 days. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely awesome, man. It, so yeah. We're using this whoop uh W-H-O-O-P uh band. Look it up. And that's how I'm tracking all of this stuff, like the my resting heart rate and my eight my um heart rate variability. Uh that's how we're tracking it. Yeah, so it's all good stuff. And it's just trying to take some personal responsibility for my health. Yeah. So it's like taking control of, you know, taking control of your mind, taking control of your health, and then the other thing that I thought was really good that he spoke about is he said, you know, life is about meaning, right? And so he had us do this exercise and he said, hey, do you focus on what you can control or do you focus on what you can't control? And he had everybody raise their hands. So there were actually three questions that he asked. He said, do you focus on what you can control and, or what you can't control? And then he said, do you focus on what you have or do you focus on what you don't have? And then the last question was, do you focus on the past, present, or do you focus on the future? And so um, he actually had us raise our hands. Everybody raised their hands and there were like 5,000 to 6,000 people in the room. I actually don't remember how many people raised their hands on what focus on what you can control and what you can't control. But my point with bringing that up is that um, my first time I went to Tony Robbins, this was probably one of the biggest shifts that I had is just that... Um, what do I focus on, right? Because if I focus on what I can't control, your mindset is totally different. And that's where that fear comes in as well, right? Because you don't know what's going to happen. So do you focus on what you can control or what you can't control? Do you focus on what you have or what you don't have? And in that part, what you can and can't control is also in that second question too. If you focus on what you have, then you know you're focusing on what you can control. If you focus on what you don't have, you've essentially given away a lot of your control there. So yeah, how I wrote it down was, um, do you focus on what you can control or can't control? And so for for me, it was, I focus on what I can control. And I don't recall what you, how you raised your hand. So do you focus on what you can or can't, cannot control? I focus totally on what I can control. Yeah. And then I focus on what I can do about it. Yeah. So I focus on can. Yeah. And then do you focus on in this next one might be, I think we're going to be a little, I think we're going to be different on this one. Do you focus on what you have or what you're missing? Yeah. And I focus on what I have. See, I focus on what I'm missing, but I don't focus. It's not, it's not like, Oh, I'm missing a car or a truck or like what I don't like. It's not like that. It's more for me. It's like in the business or in a relationship like I focus on the things that I want that to be. And I think that has a lot to do with growing up, never having anything. You're always looking to the next thing because the part that brought this all together for me was that third question. Do you focus on the past, present or future? And so what do you focus on? Yeah. For myself, I, I usually focus on the future. Yeah. I never definitely. focus. I never focus on the past and I always focus on the future 
And I rarely, I, I'm trying to get better at focusing on the present. Yeah. So I never focused on the past ever. I focus mainly on the future. And to me, that goes along with, I focus on what I'm missing. Like to me, there's a lot of correlations there. And then the one thing is I very rarely focus on the present. And I think I need to get better at that. Now I do, I will say that like when I was going through the bankruptcy and foreclosure, that's all I could focus on was the present. Like in, in that. So when it, you know, when things got really hard, I really focused on the present. And I remember like looking back thinking, you know, if you looked at my overall, like my debt load, like, and I look back and I'm like, man, you were that stressed about that little. (laughs) And, you know, if you had just, if you could have just opened your eyes and looked into the future, you could have gotten out, you know, I could have gotten out. I could, I could have gotten out of that a lot faster. I wouldn't have been stuck where I was for that long. And so focusing on the, you know, futures where I'm at. But when I talk about, I need to get better at focusing on the present, I need to focus on things like notice how far you've come, you know, notice the progress you've made. I'm terrible at celebrating birthdays, like for my kids and my wife, like I'm not good at that. And to me, that's, you know, that's, you got to focus on the present to be good at that. And it's just, you know, things like that in my life that I'm terrible at and terrible at really giving myself credit and focusing on the progress I've made and where I'm at right now compared to where I was, uh, even just say a year ago or five years ago. Which, which really runs into, he said, you know, we have three simple decisions to make once you look at those, yeah. those things and the things that happen to you. And those three simple decisions are, what are you going to focus on? And then once you figure that out, what does it mean to you? And then the third question is, what am I going to do about it? And so in every situation, you can actually make those three decisions and what you do. And most of the time, those are like automatic, which is what I found is like, it's automatic. I didn't, I didn't put much thought into that whenever I, before I had these strategies from Tony or whatever. And uh, you do that based off of, you might do that based off your past or what's happened to you or how you've made decisions in the, in the past. But um, that, those, that was really a revelation to me. Like, what am I going to focus on? So when something happens is, um, you know, is this, and then what does it mean? So is this good or is this bad? Am I learning something or am I being, am I being um, taught something or am I being uh, reprimanded? Right. Am I being punished? And so how you interpret those things and what you actually focus on in a lot of situations can be the biggest, you know, the biggest determining factor of your next outcome. Yeah. And those three decisions he talked about, what are you going to do? And I really liked the comment. He said, you need to train your brain that when I say go, I go. And so like, for me, it's that like in the morning, you know, like really, you know, do I want to get up at five 30? Do I want to get up at six, make the commitment to that the night before uh, Sergio actually did a face in his Facebook story today talks about, you know, when he talks to people and they ask him, he said, yeah, I get up at 4.30 so I can go work up. And they're like, you know, oh, I mean, I could never get up at 4.30. And he goes, you know, do you think I effing like getting up at 4.30? <laughs> you know, not at all, but it's, I made the commitment the day before. And so it's the, you know, when you train your brain that when I say go, I go. 
And so when it's that alarm hits, you've trained your brain, it's time to go. 100% correct. So Andrea and I, we just had, we had this uh, conversation probably like, I think it was probably two or three years ago. She's like, I'm just not a morning person. And it just, it would drive me nuts because I'm like, it's not a matter of if you're a morning person or not, it's a habit. It's, it's something, it's just something that you do. Mm -hmm. And so we had just come back from an event. Uh, it was one of our masterminds with Kevin Ward and he does a 66 day transformation. So he says, it takes 66 days to build a habit or to start a habit. And then it takes more days than that to actually ingrain it into what into you to make it a pattern or whatever, but it takes 66 days to start a habit. And so she committed to waking up with me. I think it was at 5:30, 5:30 every morning for 66 days. And at the end of that 66 days, she basically was like, yeah, you know, you're right. And she actually, she, it was funny because today she actually woke up earlier than me. And so lately she's actually woken up earlier than me and, and started her day. But uh, it, it literally is, it's just a habit and it's, what are you going to focus on? What does it mean to you? And then what are you going to do? And so even with waking up in the morning, so when you wake up in the morning, what are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on how tired you are and how, how, how you don't want to get out of bed? Or are you going to focus on your goals and what getting up early is going to do? Because it, if you focus on one thing, if you focus on how tired you are and how much rest you need, you won't wake up. But if you focus on what is going, what you're going to get when you wake up and why you're going to wake up, you'll get up. Like that's just really, that's just all there is to it. It, it depends on what that, and what does that mean to you? If the reason why you're waking up doesn't have meaning, you won't wake up. You've got to, it's got to be a, there's got to be a reason for you to wake up. If sleeping in is more important than what waking up early is going to do for you, then you won't wake up. It's, it's an easy decision to stay in bed. That's the hardest one too. Getting out of bed. Well, it's why, it's why we have to, it's why we always say start with why, right? Which mm-hmm. we'll go into the other, the other thing that we, we spoke about is uh, how to have a, he talks about how to have a breakthrough. Right. And so most people, he said, there's three things you need in order to have a breakthrough and they're the state that you're in, the story that you tell yourself and the strategy that you use. Yeah. But he said the one thing that really struck home to me about the three keys to breakthrough is so you have your state story and strategy, but we flip them. We do them in reverse all the time where we start with the strategy. And as I was sitting there thinking like, that's what 75, like that's what I did. 75 hard was the strategy kind of like the, I'm just sick of it. I need something. I got to get going. And so I'm just going to do 75 hard. And it's along the lines of when you're talking about like losing weight as an example, we always start with the strategy. Like I need to get a trainer or what gym am I going to join? What piece of equipment am I going to buy? Uh, I got to make sure I get my house and my room set up and, oh, I need to go buy some new shoes. And, uh, you know, we go through all these things where we're hashing out the strategy first. And this was the big breakthrough on this one for me was outside of just for me was for my kids. And there's so many times like I'm trying to motivate my kids or give them, give them tools so they can succeed, you know, with Keegan, vocal lessons with Cooper hitting lessons or strength and conditioning, you know, or I'm encouraging them, you know, to, 
uh, set their desk up right, you know, for school to lead to success. And so literally the only thing I'm ever pounding in them, and I think I'm doing good for them, is I'm like talking about the strategy part of it. That's all I'm addressing, talking about the strategy. And there's, uh, and so prior to the event, I've been trying something a little different. This is just, I mean, literally just coincidentally, is that when, and typically I like to have those motivational conversations and, you know, like where I'm looking at it, I'm encouraging them, but I think they're looking at it as more like, do I always have to talk about this? And so I took Cooper to Pittsburgh uh, a couple of weeks ago for, uh, we went to PNC Park, watched three Phillies games, and I made it a point to not bring up anything to do with like training, working out, you know, building arm strength. We didn't talk about any of that. And we, that gave us some really good conversations afterwards about that. But that's because, you know, and I see what this did is that showing the hole in my, the way I was handling it. And it was just basically, I'm always talking about strategy with them, you know, setting them up, you know, however it is, but it's all just strategy related. Yeah. And so I think what it comes down to is just why we always talk about start with why, right? When you start with why, like that's why you're going to be doing something. That's your story. He talks about your story. What's your story? Why are you doing what you're doing? And so after I got it, this totally shifted how I speak with everyone in everything that I do. So I will often ask people why they're doing something. So somebody will be like, well, I'm just going to do this. And I'll be like, well, why are you doing that? And you find out, number one, what their story is and where they're coming from, right? And what they're focusing on. And so I'm always, I cannot, I can help somebody with their strategy. I can help somebody with their state a little bit too. So like I can get you excited about something, you know, and I can get you moving around. But it's harder to help somebody with their story. And, you know, when he does his full events, he goes into it a lot more. And so he goes into why we, why we have certain stories about ourselves, And also like when you try to change your story, you also can make yourself wrong on things. So a lot of times we stay in a certain story. We stay a victim of things too, just so we can have that comfort. And so there's a lot more to that, but, you know, I feel like as an individual. So even with my kids too, like in like inspiring them to do things, I let them develop their own story. I try to help them see things from different perspectives so they can, so they can develop their story, but someone's story is personal to them. And so it's hard for you to make someone change their story. And so that's why I think it's good. You know, when I decided that I was going to go play football in college, I think part of the reason why I did that is because my dad took me to so many football games and I saw, and I was around so many guys that, that played football and I aspired to be like them. And so I can still remember the football game that me and my dad were at. It was a uh, Texas tech in North Texas uh, playing up in Lubbock. And I was like, that's what that's, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be on the field playing college football. And my dad's like, you can do whatever you want to do, son. Like he was always, you know, he always encouraged me to do things. And that was my story though. But I got that story because my dad gave me an experience that I liked, you know? And so I think that's why those experiences are so, are so vital and so important. And so that story part to me is really one of the key, key foundations in us for one, having a breakthrough and then also for, you know, how we're going to make decisions and all that. Yeah. It's, um, 
you know, sometimes I think we can, we can tell our kids, or at least I do, I tell our, my kids the story that I want them to, you know, not just that I want them to hear, but I want them to think like, you know, Hey, if you, um, you know, put yourself on the field next year and you want the same arm strength or more. And if you want more, you got to put the work in now. And, and it's really, I need to one, try to help him with this state, but then get him to work through his story. And then the other stuff's going to come. If he can work through, if he can get himself in the right state of mind, and if he can work through his story, then the strategy part's going to be irrelevant. He doesn't, he's, he's just going to work out. He's going to do what he's got to do to get him to the level that he wants to be. Uh, and that goes for Keegan. And that's the one thing we haven't talked about here is how I took Keegan to the, or I had Keegan come down. So Keegan, my 21 year old lives in Nashville. I'm in Detroit, moved down last December and just looking to, I mean, literally the whole point bringing him down was I didn't want to, again, like I treated Cooper that weekend, just come down. I had zero expectation of what the week was going to look like with Keegan. I knew that that was just a great opportunity for me to spend some time with him. And that's probably the most time we've spent together. And, you know, even when he lived here, we didn't spend that kind of time together. And so it was great to have him there. It was great to see some of the stuff that he took out of it um, and that we're working through now. Um, but right along this state story strategy idea, I'm always working on Keegan on his strategy, but he's got to develop his state of mind and the story. Uh, and then the rest of it's going to come. Yeah, it was good. It was good having him there, man. Yeah, it was good actually. Cause I got to meet him for the first time too, like actually in person. And so he's, uh, man, it was actually, yeah, it was a real joy to have him there. He's a sweet guy. He's got a really good demeanor, demeanor about him. And so it was, uh, bubbly bubbly guy great personality i love the haircut too so yeah <laughs> so uh, you can check out his uh facebook keegan uh just you know, he's always had long hair basically his freshman year of high school he started growing his hair out he's had like one haircut since something like that where he took some length off but then he showed up in a full-fledged 90s mullet um, yeah i would say it was joe dirt to the 100 degree <laughs> Joe, Joe Dirt for sure. That was the first yeah. thing I thought when I saw him. But That's it was done nice. really tastefully. I thought he'll it was love good. it. Yeah. yeah. So along with the state story and strategy, right? And so you said like the strategy will take care of itself. The thing uh, that he spoke about that I thought was good is he said, you know, a lot of times the things we focus on is the resources that we don't have. And he said you know, most of the time when we fail at something, it's not a matter of not having resources. It's a matter of not having, not being resourceful. And I love what he says, because he says, if you want something bad enough, you will figure it out. You'll figure out how to get what you need, you know? And so that is, that's like really a key point. If, if you've ever had something or you've ever had a struggle where you just, it became so, you became, that's why I like Crank Cardone and his be obsessed or be average is because you have to be, if you are, you don't have to be, but if you are obsessed about something and you want something so badly, you will figure it out. If you say it's, man, I have all these, these ideas floating around in my head and all these coaches are coming in together, but the, the greatest example of this is uh, E.T., the hip hop preacher, when he talks about, you know, the guru and the guy comes out into the water and he holds the guy's head underwater and then he finally lets him up and the guru asks him, what did you want more than anything? 
when I had your head underwater and he said it was to breathe. And he says, when you want to be successful, if you want to be, whenever you want to be successful, when <laughs> successful as bad as you wanted to breathe, breathe, then you'll be successful. Did I say that right? Yep. So that's the point of like resources and resourcefulness. Like it's not a matter of your resources. It's a matter of how bad do you want something? What are you willing to do to get what you want? And so Grant Cardone does it in the sense of be obsessed or be average, like be obsessed with something and you'll go out and get it. And by ET, he means Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher. So if you're not familiar with that, I've got some great, great content out there just really bringing it for people when you talk about how grant cardone says it as obsessed tony was saying it's hunger like there's no replacement for hunger and that's kind of where it all starts there's zero replacement uh, for hunger and then he combined that whole hunger and energy and he talks about energy and he talks about the energy level that he has and uh some of the stuff he was like during one of his like 12 hour 13 hour events he's uh, burns like 13,000 calories, jumps like 25,000 times. I think he said something crazy like that. And he just talks about energy and that you have to have energy. Um, and I was in getting ready for this. I was watching some other videos and we talked, watching some other videos of him and he talks about energy. He says, you know, tell me what you want. And somebody said, you know, they want more passion in their relationship. And he's like, well, how are you going to have more passion in your relationship if you've got no energy? There's no energy to be passionate. Passion takes energy. You have to have energy and you have to learn, you know, how to do that. And this kind of where he brings it all together, the stuff we're talking about having, you know, knowing what your why is, but also being physically fit and healthy to be able to produce on the level you want to produce. And so it's this idea of hunger and energy will is is what will shape your life. Yeah. So hunger and energy is what will shape your life. Uh, energy is a key to moving everything forward. If you want to move something forward, you have to have the energy to do it. That's exactly right. And uh, I wrote down the exact same thing. I have it like double underlined. Hunger and energy is going to shape your life. And he said most people have hunger, but most people don't have high energy. And so I was thinking about that and, and I liked how he broke it down because he, he didn't necessarily say energy is like rah, 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 like energy. You could still have energy and be like, I, I'm not going to say reserved. I like how Kevin Ward puts it. Like he says, when somebody walks in the room, like people go, oh, somebody just showed up. And it's like, you don't have to come in the room and announce something or be loud. But when you come in, people know your presence. They know that your energy is there and they can they can sense that energy. And so sometimes when we talk about energy, you start to get like this woo woo kind of like crazy kind of feeling. But I like how he explained it is that it's not necessarily just going crazy. It's just, you know, you can have passion without yelling at people. You know, the the intensity that you talk to people with doesn't necessarily have to do with your volume. Like you can tell how somebody walks or how they sit or how they, how they conduct themselves if they have energy or not. And if they're passionate about something. So hunger and energy, that was, I, yeah, I was, he really had me thinking on, on that one for sure. And then kind of the last thing, uh, I think we've covered all my notes from what I, what I've been working on, what I took is, but along the idea of like, when I say go, I go or hunger and energy and moving your life forward is the, he made the statement, do the uncomfortable every day and you'll live the life of your dreams. 
That's really good. Yeah, he talks about doing. Yeah, he talked a lot about those things that he does. Like he had, he does a cold plunge and the few other things as well. But uh, I like that too. That's why I like working out in the mornings because you know a lot of times when you w- wake up and then you work out, I always feel like you know the hardest part of my day is already gone. And like if I've already done the hard thing, then I can pretty much conquer anything after that. And so like, what else is going to come at me next? Like, there's nothing that I can't do after that. So I really like what he said about that. And then, you know, what comes to next to my mind is exactly what you said earlier was like when I, he said, when I tell my body to do something, then I want by mind basically says it's done. So whatever I tell my body to do, it does it. And there's a real connection there. If you think about it, because there are times when, for instance, if you say it's time to wake up, like your body doesn't want to wake up. So you have to train your body to do what I tell it to do. And so that was, those are the things that I kind of popped in my head from, from him talking on that. I will say my first go at Tony Robbins live was pretty awesome. I would say that was, that was five hours flew by uh, enough. He encouraged me enough or in, uh, intrigued me enough in the process and what the way he delivers it live is that uh, we decided to purchase tickets for UPW unleash the power within. And so sometime next year and Jacoby also uh, picked up a ticket. And so at some point next year, um, when they get it scheduled on on the calendar and location, we will be heading for UPW, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah. Sometimes they just have those offers that you just can't refuse. And so, you know, now is an opportunity to, uh, to jump onto that. I will say I spoke to the rep and she said that deal is good for other folks as well. So if you're listening oh. to this and you want to go see Tony Robbins, either give myself or Jerry a call because we got a great deal that I would say is a one time. I don't know where you can get to see Tony Robbins at this price. And so if you are interested in that, just reach out to us and we can chat with you more about that one, get you an opportunity. Plus, I'd love to be there with you walking on fire whenever we uh, go to uh, go to UPW. So it'll be really, really good. Be a great time. For sure. It was a good one, though. I will say that. Definitely. So what's your number one takeaway from what we did? So we talked about a lot of different things, but personally, after the event was done, uh, there were other things too. Tony was kind of the main highlight that kind of drove everything for this conference that we were at. But uh, leaving from that, what uh, what was your main takeaway for Jerry Weaver that you were going to focus on coming out of there? Yeah, so um, I've actually started to journal and work through a lot of the stuff that we've talked about today. But the one main uh, goal or one main takeaway is that he had us do, uh, he had us make two goals. Um, that we were going to jump on when we get back. And uh, for me, then at that point, the two goals that I wrote down when he said was I wanted to do uh, 15 deals between now and the end of the year, uh, 15 transactions. And he did it, he did it at 90 days. So do 15 deals between now and within 90 days. I actually, since I got home, I doubled that goal. And so uh, our team has the goal to do 30 transactions between now and the end of the year. And then also to get into an extra large shirt in 90 days. And um, yeah, so that's where I'm at. Those are my two, those are the two takeaways because that's what I walked away with working on. 
Nice. So my main thing, I think hearing it again was just the whole, the keys to a breakthrough. And so, you know, the state story and strategy, I think I have gotten into that strategy thing, looking at the strategies first. So for me, I've just been coming back. I'm waking back up early again, five thirty, six o'clock in the mornings and um, just figuring out what my why is exactly. Cause I've, I've had, I've, ever since I went to Tony the first time, I've pretty much achieved the goals that I set when I was there. And so you kind of get complacent and sometimes you get at a place where you're like, man, I don't even know what I want anymore. And so, you know, I feel like I've just kind of been on cruise control, especially with COVID and all that stuff going on. So uh, just getting back re-engaged. And then I, what he said about most people have hunger, but they don't have high energy. And so trying to figure out what is high energy. What does that mean? And how do I bring that to everything that I do? And so those are really the things that I'm focusing on figuring out how to get obsessive about what I want. And, uh, I think that's kind of like rocket fuel for what, uh, kind of moving forward. So those are kind of the things that I've been focusing on. Nice. Yeah. So it worked out. I mean, it was, it was great. You know, you go, Everybody who saw Tony was way more excited that Tony was there than the people that hadn't seen him yet. And so I knew I was in for a, a treat and it was, it, it, um, it, uh, what did they, it met up to the hype. Met the expectation. Met the good. expectation. Yep. Awesome. Great. So we, uh, we really appreciate y'all being with us here on this episode of the podcast it was, uh, really, I really was looking forward to this one reviewing kind of seeing Tony, in his first live event since COVID happened and plus getting to share the experience with Jerry as well. And so it was a really, really good time. And so just to recap kind of what we spoke about on this episode, you know, we started out with Tony kind of telling us that in this moment right now, the best thing that you can take care of is your mind, taking care of your mind and then uh, also taking care of your body and your life. And so Jerry kind of gave us a recap of his 75 hard. He's about, halfway through at the moment, pretty close. And so he's uh, been doing a really good job with that. It's really inspiring to see him doing that. And then the next thing uh, he talked about also is fear. Talked about fear, how we deal with fear. And um, that whenever we make decisions in a state of fear, we make decisions differently than we do. And so he talked about there are three simple decisions that you have to make whenever you are... Uh, moving forward with that. And it's, what are you going to focus on? What does it mean to you? And what am I going to do about it? And so we also spoke about what do you focus on? Do you focus on what you can control or what you can't control? Do you focus on what you have or you don't have? And do you focus on the past, present and future? And kind of what do those, what do those things actually mean and how can they help you move forward? And then uh, whenever you fail, we talked about resource resources. Do you not have the resources it's not about you not having resources. It's about you not being resourceful. And so uh, being obsessed and starting with why, which is one thing that we always talk about on the podcast is what is your why? And so most people, they start out with their strategy when in all actuality, you should start with your state and your story. And so uh, he really does a really good job of uh, explaining that to you, to us. And we kind of went through uh, what that meant to us. One of the uh, resources you can use, Tony did a TED talk uh, back when TED was like just starting out 
So that is a really, really good video that you can watch. He kind of gave us the backstory on that, but we'll leave that for you guys to check out uh, for a little bit of homework, but it really will put a bow on kind of what we were talking about here, uh, here today. And so I appreciate you guys watching with us here. We always appreciate a good five-star rating and review, and we love to hear uh, what you guys are getting out of the podcast. So you can also check us on our Facebook group, Success Without Sacrifice. And uh, once again, thanks for listening in, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast so you get notification of all new episodes.